Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance racers from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures, hear fantastic stories of their journeys, and through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. The Bike Pack Adventures Podcast is proudly supported by Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Tailfin Bikepacking Equipment, Montan Sports Canada, Race Day Fuel, and Brockton Cyclery. Their continued support allows me to focus my efforts on providing you amazing content. Now let's get rolling. In this episode of the Unpacking Bikepacking series, I'm joined by my friend Carl. Carl's been working in the bike industry for something like 20 years, is an avid bike tour, bike packer, fat biker, and probably just about every other type of biker I know of. We're going to share a bit about our personal journeys through planning and training, talk about gear we've been experimenting with, discuss resources or kit we've come across, talk about our bikepacking setups and any other changes we've made, possibly review some gear we're using, and of course, share our two cents on current interest topics. Hope you enjoyed the segment, and if you have any comments, questions, or ideas, please reach out to either of us. Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank some of the show's sponsors for supporting the podcast. Redshift Sports was founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who also happen to be avid cyclists. From the beginning, they focused on taking a different approach to product development, drawing on their experiences and needs to create components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience. The highly popular shock stop suspension system smooths out road imperfections, reduces fatigue and strain. You can check them out at redshiftsports.com. Tailfin Cycling, designer of technical bikepacking equipment, has been creating waves in the cycling community for several years, having stepped outside the conventional boundaries of bikepacking equipment to find unique solutions that make the adventure all the better. Whether an endurance racer, bike tour, or bikepacker, these bags offer solutions for everyone. From their unique rear rack with quick-release mechanism to their ingenious locking mechanism on the panniers that provide a rattle-free bikepacking experience. Tailfin continues to push the envelope. I'm extremely pleased to be part of the R&D division of Tailfin to represent them on all my adventures and to have them supporting the podcast. Now back to the show. Before getting rolling into this episode, I'd like to thank one of our key sponsors. Panorama Cycles is dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Panorama Cycles has some exciting things going on this year. The recently released Torngat Tie is the first titanium fat bike to offer two crank set spindle length setups to suit all types of riding. A versatile model, both lightweight and durable, that can be used for a wide range of adventures, making it the perfect bike for both trail riding and expeditions during summer and winter. The Torngat Tie is ready to tackle any train without compromise. For the 2023-24 winter season, Panorama Cycles is offering the Try Before You Buy program, allowing you to try out the Chick Chocks Carbon Fiber Fat Bike before buying. There is no other program like this. Check out PanoramaCycles.com for details. Lastly, don't forget to use the promo code BPA10 on any new bike purchase to save 10% at checkout. Now back to the show. Welcome back, Carl. Hey, nice to be on the podcast again. Yeah, this got to be a number well you hosted an episode and probably have been on three or four times now right yeah i think it's yeah i'm uh, i'm a regular you're a regular the regular yeah you know it's just because we have the same initials like i was gonna when i was gonna add like 
little notes for when I talk. And I was like, oh, C. Wait, no, that's Carl. CP. Oh, shit. That's Carl Purcell. <laughs> Um, man, does his uh, middle name idea. start with A? <laughs> I, I have an idea. Like you do, you just do uh, E for English and F for French. And then you <laughs> That's <got> good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, personal reflections. Like what's been up with me? Um, I, I know I just kind of mentioned it in our pre-talk. Um, injured my foot nearly a month ago. Actually, yeah, nearly a month ago. Um, and I just can't believe how long the recovery has been. It is getting better though. I went for an overnighter on uh oh, it wasn't Saturday. It was um last Wednesday night, so a week ago. Um I say an overnighter, but I actually rode an 89 kilometer loop and camped in Hendrick Farms. So, uh the overnighter was 5 minutes from my house. Uh, you, sleep, you slept outside. <clears throat> yeah, I did sleep outside. I just wanted to be outside. I wanted to get that feel for it i knew it was going to be a nice night there was going to be a little bit of snow it wasn't going to be like rainy or anything and um yeah so gravel bike with studs um i felt really out of shape like i have not felt this out of shape in a while it's kind of crazy this that was the longest ride i've done since i did the canadian shield 400 in september for local people what was the ride exactly um, yeah, so I rode, um, I was going to ride the, uh, the rail trail to Wakefield, but that was just like an, it was like riding on an upside down ice cube tray. It was just so, so rough because of people walking on it and then ice freeze. Uh, so I rode 105 to Wakefield. Then I took river road up to Farrelton, crossed over, went up past, uh, the La Peche general store and then, um, kind of went straight that way and then curving south to go past um oh what's the name of that farm that that really famous uh i forget anyways um coming coming mm -hmm. basically to the junction where the one uh, by highway five starts or ends depending which way you're talking oh, okay and yeah, then yeah, i, I came in via the back of the hospital back to um back to the main drag had some food at the picnic table and then i made my way back to chelsea via the 105 did you go home or you went directly to uh no i went directly to camp so i just uh oh. turned off the tracker in chelsea and then i pedaled through hendrick farms jumped on the trails into the back area and set myself up on the grass under a tree like you know that 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 is the hardest one because you're so close you're to home so close <laughs> away from home you're like ah, yes <laughs> yeah actually it was surprisingly you know, the hardest part was um, I got there. It was a late a late hockey game that night. It was 9 p.m. start. And I got there just as the game was about to kick off. So I had set up and I was laying in my thing in the bivy bag with the uh, the quilt. And I'm like, I'm going to watch the hockey game. But, you know, to do that, you got to have a hand outside of the sleeping bag. And you're like, oh, mm. this is getting cold. Like, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> so I, uh, I made it through a period and that was the end of it. I said, okay, game over. I'm turning that off and I'm going to just sleep, you know, because it's actually one of the yep. nice things. Camping outside is one of the nice things is you actually go to sleep early. You know, you're not, yep. especially when it's cold, you're not distracted by technology because you don't want to freeze and also in you're in fresh air and you just feel so good to just kick back and and for us North American, it's dark also. So. Yeah, it was dark at like four thirty, five o'clock. Yeah, so um, yeah, it was super cool. Like uh, I had a uh, a new minus twenty quilt, 
um, provided by Outdoor Vitals. I don't know too much about their company, but I reached out saying I'd love to test out a quilt, and they sent me one, so that is wicked cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, officially, the first piece of kit that's not sponsored in sense of that is just sent to test out. Um, oh. Yeah, so that's really neat. Um, you know what? Really comfortable. I was surprised. Yeah, I thought I thought I was going to freeze because I'm like... I don't know. I always, I'm always cold in sleeping bags because I roll around and I fall off the air mattress and then I, it sucks. I, I love quilt, but I was actually scared. Uh, um, I'll tell you after with my trip, but like I was scared to take a quilt and freeze myself, like freeze my butt off because mm-hmm. uh, a quilt is actually nice in the summer because you can like rah, roll out of it and yeah, everything. Yeah. But like in the winter, you don't want to do that without yourself knowing because you're gonna get up and then be shivering yeah yeah there was a few i mean i have a i have a little down hoodie Mm -hmm. like i can put on it's just a hood it goes right down to my neck and that's about it so i had the down hood on i had my pillow um some of the struggles i had is like well the quilt the nice thing about outdoor vitals quilt is it has a snap at the neck and it has a cinch collar so you can like uh like a wind baffle thing whatever you call it Mm -hmm. um and that worked really well. So, and then I s- snapped together a couple spots along the bottom of the quilt just to bring it a little bit closer so it wouldn't flare out as much. Super warm. I never got cold. Um, if I turned awkwardly so that like one end was way up and then the cold came in, I could feel it. But I mean, I don't know. In sleeping bags, I become kind of pretzeled in there because I, I toss and turn a lot and this bag doesn't stay, you know, in the same spot. So, you, you had <clears throat> yeah, and I was in my bivy, so you're limited how much you can toss and turn. Mm. The one problem I had was moisture. Um, it was snowing outside, so a lot of that was freezing on the outside of the bivy, but as well, all the moisture from me sweating or being, you know, breathing and stuff at night caused like an ice layer inside the bivy yeah. as well. So yeah. I know the, uh, the, the, the easy solution is, say, vapor barrier, liner, but the downside about that is I didn't, well, I don't have one, but uh, a vapor barrier liner is like another sleeping bag. And I'm like, oh, I just got out of a sleeping bag to have a quilt. And then I'm back <laughs> in a sleeping bag so I don't wet the quilt, you know, wet the quilt. Sounds like I piss myself, but, you know, yeah. so it doesn't get full of moisture. So I don't know. Maybe the ultimate solution is a ground sheep and a tarp so you have airflow. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I might, I might try that out. Just, Yeah. That might be my uh, my next uh, my next time out or or a, or back to a tent. But that was a good thing to actually test because you're like five minutes away from home. And that's why I wanted to do it like that was because I was like, well, I don't want to be fifty kilometers away, wake up frozen, and be having having to ride home in a miserable state. So, yeah, it worked out really really well. It was excellent. Um, looking forward to getting out again. I might try to get out this weekend for another overnighter. Um, because my wife's friend is here, so it's a good excuse to say, oh, you got your friend, let me go out, you know? Uh, <laughs> you have some spare time, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, like, yeah, so how about you? Any uh, Anything uh, going yeah. on, planning, training? Uh, I did, like I told you earlier when we were chatting, I did the uh, winter overnighter on the yeah. North Frontenac bikepacking loop. Uh, it was a dream of mine to do it, uh, but in the summer. But uh, the, um, Mark, on I was looking for a so long story short. I was looking for a sleeping bag to uh, 
probably ride uh, the 100 kilometer Wendigo um, oh, or okay. 200. Yeah, yeah. So I was not sure yet. So I decided to just go for it and just get a sleeping bag in case uh, I decide later. Uh, someone named Mark uh, contacted me and he said, oh, I want to do bikepacking in the winter. So would you be willing to come with me? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me oh, some. This is how like, it all started. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, send me some route and I will take a look. And usually when people send me that, I'm like, those people are crazy and I'm not going to do that. But I'll say yes and thumbs up and that's it. It's just going to like wither, wither, wither away. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, we were talking, we were chatting and it was like, oh, yeah, I, I think I feel it. So I decided to, I just, I decided to, to say, yeah, it's on. And, um, couple of people join uh, uh my girlfriend emily uh gene came yeah. uh, came as well you were supposed to come but uh nah, life is life you know yep um and uh yeah so it was on the day before i was like what the hell did i get myself into <laughs> but, uh, it was uh it was a dream of mine also to do bike packing in the winter uh, on a fat bike so uh, i guess i had to do it and uh live the experience um yeah, it was uh, the North Frontline Bikepacking Loop is 93 kilometers, so it's not too long in regards of like the uh, Canadian Shield or Log Driver or BT7. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's why I was like, okay, it's not that bad. Uh, two day to do that, not going to be horrible. Um, it was in a way. Type <laughs> three really, fun, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, a lot of pushing. Um, it goes through the pictures um, lied man it looks so easy in pictures that's instagram that's yeah, yeah. social <laughs> everything is beautiful like next to a beach but the beach is actually a junkyard um no uh the the road uh were super icy mm. so studs were mandatory um a lot of uh fall a lot of uh Tight squeeze on the handlebar, like gripping yeah, on your yeah. grip, because like you don't want to to, to you don't want to lose control. There's a lot of up and down, and uh, yeah, overall, um, I I loved it. It was a good experience. Um, but uh, something I learned is in the summer I can ride forever, drink one bo- one bottle of water, yep, and just be fine. I'm. Maybe, okay, I'm thirsty, but I'm, it's not the end of the world. But in winter, you won't feel it. Um, so you, you won't feel dehydrated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. I I, I was, knew that, and I I still find it, I find it so hard when I'm out <clears throat> cross country skiing, or if I go on a long fat bike ride, or even on my 89 kilometer ride, uh, the next day I had a headache, and I was like, oh, I didn't drink enough water, and then of course I pissed, and it was like it was like pea soup color. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm really dehydrated, you know? Oh, that's why. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I knew I should have drank more. Like, so I started pounding water, but you know, it's really easy not to drink water. Um, you don't yeah. notice it when it's cold. So the, I, when I said that I learned that the, the hard way is I went to bed at eight, a uh, nice chat around the campfire, went to bed, went to, uh, into my sleeping bag and at o'clock I wake up like, I was running uh, a marathon. Uh, one, no, no way. My, yeah, my my heart rate rate would go from eighty to one seventy in a matter of like second. So I had my Apple Watch and I was looking at it. And I was like, "This thing is broken. It's crazy." But I, I could feel it. I could feel like my 
my heart was like pounding in my chest. So like, what the heck is happening? And then right. I, uh, it took me a long time to figure out does, like, oh, I didn't drink a lot today. Like I was like proud of myself to manage to, to be able to manage my water. But then I realized there's like, if I manage my water, it's because I rode five hour and not, and, and I did not drink all my water. So that's an issue. And I coach people uh, on a bike. I should know that, yeah, but yeah. like, it's winter. You don't know. You're like, I'm not thirsty. It's cool. So I drank, I woke up, uh, Emily and then I was like, okay, I'm not feeling well. I think it's going to be an issue. I went for a walk, drank a lot of water and then I, I it kicked in. It was like, oh, the electrolyte. I forgot. I forgot to take the electrolyte. Uh, yeah. So no electrolytes. My heart, my heart was just like, what, what, uh, what the heck are you doing, man? So, um, the crazy thing is, like, I did wilderness rescue. So, oh, you have? Yeah, I did. Uh, and the only one of the things that uh, kind of like imprinted into my mind is the guy telling us, uh, if you have an heart attack in the forest, you're pretty much done for. <laughs> I was like, Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Not now. So, well, I'm sure. I'm sure Dr. Alexander will hear this and he'll give some feedback of what you can do. So we'll, yeah, we'll share those tips. Like, from, uh, it'd be interesting to I, know what the hell you do. But. What What is the uh, What is the interval for uh, electrolyte in winter? I'm really curious. Or even in summer, like I would be like, what's the perfect dosage? Because yeah, that was scary. And uh, around three in the morning, I was able to go to bed and. Yeah, lesson learned. Really wow. fun bikepacking loop, but uh, and did you wake those... up Emily or like you were like? Oh no 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 no! I did wake her up at first, okay. and then after that, I was like, "Oh, you need to sleep. Tomorrow is going to be a, a small, short thirty-two kilometer ride." But um, mm, it was through yeah. Oracle Oracle Road. Oh yeah, so there's definitely some 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 challenge to that. Yep. Wild. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I was just saying, um, you know, my getting on this ride was such a huge deal for me. I I had this conversation with my wife recently. I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to share on this, but she says, you know, like, Chris, all you ever do is think about bikes. And I'm like, who, me? Um, and then she's like, all you ever do is ride your bike. And I was like, I'm like, Seema, I haven't ridden a bike since September. Like, I mean, I've been on rides with my dog, but that's taking her for a run. I've been on the very occasional ride, like Brazilian in the Gatineau Park, but I hardly consider that a ride. Like that's, that's barely, you know, from it's, it's not it's going it's, out. Yeah. It's a 30 minute loop, you know, or if it was a mm -hmm. fat bike, maybe an hour, but or 45 minutes. But, mm -hmm. you know, I said, that's not, that's not a ride ride. That's not me going riding. That's just me getting away from the house for 30 minutes, you know, getting some pressure. Um, and I think she didn't realize it. Like to her, it's like this idea that like I'm always riding and I'm like, no, I have not been riding. So doing this ride was a huge triumph for me because I had not been out on my bike. You know, I had, uh, I had always so many things came up this fall. I always had excuse. I'm like, and then my foot got hurt and that was a month, like a month. Like I finally got out on a ride, 90 kilometers. Doesn't feel like a big deal, but it felt like it. And because it's got my, um, you know, one thing I, I, one thing I realized, oh man, it killed me. Um, you know, the hills on the Lepeche side, they're, they're not huge, but there's a few big climbs. Oh, yeah. 
And I was using a 36 tooth rear, uh, so 1136. But I, because that's the one I have on my winter set. But I forgot that I, I'm not running a two by like I was on my on my previous bike. I'm on a one by. I was a tough climbs man. I was like, <laughs> I was huffing and puffing. I was like, well, man, I'm out of shape. But then I was like, oh wait, okay, I, I am out of shape. But this is a really shitty setup. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's like pre uh like pre-2000 mountain bike setup yeah yeah and i think like the normal cassette on my katadin is i think it's a 46 so it's like a huge huge oh, yeah. difference you know yeah no, no 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 your your calf must be screaming oh sorry the next day yeah i mean those climbs were they were killing me um yeah, but yeah, you know that, what? I was super good. happy, and I was like, you know what? That was a, that was the point where I was like, I have to get out more. Um, I haven't been out in the last week, but I had to finish my car. Like, I, we've been down to one car, and with dropping the baby off, and like trying to rush from work, and my, you know, I'm fixing. I have that a car. question for you. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I have a question. Did you need that time off? No. <laughs> no? I needed. Was it worth it? You know, it was, ah, it's, it's hard to say that's, you know, that's something LP would ask. Um, hmm. it, it's hard to say. I mean, it was, yeah, it could have been worth it. I, I guess in some ways I got lots of stuff done around the house, but there's also lots of time where I could be on my bike trainer in the basement, watch a hockey game, but instead I was sitting, I'm sitting there having a beer, you know? So yeah. like the head, but my head wasn't in the right place. And I felt like I've maybe just felt overwhelmed this last uh since the summer of non-stop travel and so maybe it was good it was a good decompression now i'm ready to ride because i gotta lose a bit of pounds and uh um so yeah i'm i'm, I'm at that process car is almost done and i can start riding you know yeah but you know it's actually the same for me so it's surprising you say that uh when i um i rode for like 35 day mostly 35 of the days that I was in Japan with uh, Francis. Mm. And um, when I went back, I continued cycling. But uh, after a while, I just stopped. And I think I I think I needed that break. At first, I was like, oh, no, I'm not cycling enough. But And after a couple of like days, I was like, you know what? Like, it's good. I can do something else. I can just do, like, I have other hobbies. Um, for sure bike is like yeah. the main part of my life but uh i actually needed that to be able to um to enjoy being on the bike again you know it's like a plant yeah like yeah. You, you never see it grow but like if you go in a on a trip and then you come back you're like oh it grew and it's amazing um you don't get that joy yeah, seeing yeah, yeah. that same plant every day so i kind of needed that setback from biking that's a good um, point too yeah, yeah. Like getting out on my bike, it felt great. It was liberating, you know, like I had all those rushes of emotion that like I find bike is very therapeutic. And it was like, it was really good to be out there and say, I've been missing this. Um, it has to happen more. But at the same time, like there was a reason I was uh, not avoiding it, but, you know, not doing it. You know, like that things, I would allow things to come up that I had to do <laughs> to to so not necessarily be on the bike as much i'm sure yeah, yeah uh, that is I'm another episode sure. of dr carl <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> talking about doctor i'm actually going to talk about my uh little triumph and it's uh i'm gonna name drop lp 
That'll do you again. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, the, uh, yep. Um, so one of my biggest issue is uh, when I was r- racing when I was younger, I didn't have that, but uh, starting bikepacking racing, um, I had this voice in my head. It was like, no, no, it's like too hard. Just stop. Um, why the heck are you doing this? This is not like, you're not having fun. You're not having fun. And then I would stop. Uh, but uh, and the last, in the last trip, I was fully ready. Like on the um, on the bikepacking loop on the fat bike, I was fully ready to just um, re- go rewind and go back to the car um, mm. first day after the crazy night I had. And I was like, no, maybe it's not the best idea to just do Arco Road right after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I thought about what LP said, and he just said like, take your time, just stop and let give you give it a little bit of time and so that's what i did and the day after i was like okay i'm fine this is way better the night is was not the best night ever but is it the 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 worst situation i've been into no no so uh, i just decided to finish the trip and it it was 32k i think 36k the the next day yeah but it it was not it was not big but for me it felt like enormous because mm. I was it was one of the first time that I actually finished like uh, a loop something you completely. started right like this yeah. sense of yeah yeah so um, yeah I've always wanted to be the guy I, I always I was the guy that wanted to go far when I was younger and mm. it felt like oh okay this guy is still somewhere in there so yeah it was uh, Emily was uh, was super stoked as well so yeah great experience but also yeah with the setback is it the worst thing that happens to you no i'm pretty sure you can push through and uh, i was really happy i could do it finally interesting yeah that's um sorry i'm just opening up something here um yeah, I, I know. I, I've I've been with you. I've heard that voice out loud too. <laughs> you know, but uh, we've all been there. Like you know, like I guess it's. I mean, I've I've had my share of failure. I've had a couple of really awesome successes, mm-hmm. uh, especially that first year. Yeah, I, I think I was still riding the high of my my big bikepacking adventure the previous year, and I was probably in really good form still like the muscle memory was there like it was easy to adapt to a new year um i definitely feel the last two years have taken me downhill and Mm -hmm. um i've had a few failures along the way mostly mental or i mean where weather lets you make it mental right like you you know you you hit things that are adversity and all of a sudden your mind can't sustain it right you give up you you, you talk yourself out of it um, it was uh it was on the bt 700 i think uh was it the second or the third time you did it like uh you did it twice hmm. the bt yeah. yeah so the second time you did it you did a, a ride cast after or like a like a, a recapitulative mm-hmm. like that like you, yeah. you went back on this ride and then you said like actually I realized that I really wanted to speak with people, like to talk with people, to chat, yeah. to, to make friends and everything, and not really just be on my bike and push the hardest I can. So it, yeah. it felt like you had like that, like 
you were happy to be there, but like you were looking for something else at this point. Yeah, I think I, I went there with the idea of in some ways I was like, I'm going to race, but I, at the same time I knew like my had a little bit of a back issue. I mean, at the point bad enough that I stopped in Tyndanaga and I bought some like roll on CBD for my, mm. like, like an ointment to put on my lower back mm. as I'm riding. Cause it was that sore. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, I can't race. So, you know, what? I'm going to do social, but I, maybe this is also a struggle, right? Like my mindset, I, I really struggled to not race. Same thing. I went to, um, I went to the fat bike race, um, the Wendigo last year, yeah. uh, downgraded from the hundred to the 50 said, I'm not going to race cause I'm sick and I still raced. Okay. I came third, but like there was no need for it. You know, like it's, I, I have such a competitive spirit that it's hard to like not compete, mm. you know? And I don't think they do podium. So it's like, kind no, of so there's nothing for it. It was like, yeah, you're just like, like why did yeah. I do that? <laughs> <laughs> you get a nice picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. I just, you know, it's just the way I'm built. But uh, but when you feel like you're not training enough and then you know you can't achieve what you're thinking, your mind you can achieve because you know your mindset, but then all of a sudden you start having the mental drops as well, right? So it's, it's not different. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's, for me, it was mostly comparing where I was coming from to mm -hmm. where I was. And it was like, why, like, why is it different? And then my brain couldn't register that. It's just like, you used to do that. So why don't you do it again? And then, but uh, yeah, I'm getting older, but also wiser, I think. So right. I hope so. I hope. I imagine we are sort of kind of, I yeah, hope we never. are. Um, <laughs> yeah. Any other triumphs, setbacks, things you've been uh, dealing with? Uh, not or, really. Or... Uh, mostly, uh, mostly just uh, trying to find a balance between work and writing. Um, yeah, more working in the bike industry is actually is uh, is something somewhat of roller coaster in the last few years. So yeah, it's either you work all the time or you're burnt out, and then you're you don't want to be on the bike. So yeah, it's uh, finding a finding a life balance going to be uh, going to be something I'm going to work in 2024. But I think in 2023 I was kind of able to step back from all the stress and just be able to ride for fun instead of like trying to ride for racing. Yeah. I remember time. you making a post about that and like talking about yep. it and how you had like, yeah. Um, so takeaways from the summit, I guess, kind of right. When talking with yep. LP's presentation and stuff. Yeah, it was a, it was a great success in 2023 to actually realize that I, what kept me on the bike is, uh, is having fun on the bike. So I want to, I want to keep on doing that and having fun in 2024. Yeah. Maybe 2025, and I'm, I'm gonna race again. But like for now, I'm just having fun, yeah, yeah. and that's this is I, this is what keeps me on the bike. I wonder if one of my struggles, and one of the reasons I end up pushing myself so hard too, is because like every time I want to go away for some kind of adventure, let's say that I was gonna do the Canadian Shield 900 uh, last July, it turned out to be a heat wave, almost killed. Like I I was so hot, and like I had such bad chafing, I gave it up. But you know, the idea is. I'm like, I'm going to go out and do this. And then my wife's like, well, when are you going to be back? And I'm like, all right, well, I could be back in five days. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. then I you put try. myself in a position where I'm like, oh, now I have to really push it for the next five days. Because I yeah. just said, like, 
And now she's got in her mind that, well, he said he could be back in five days. And I'm that's like, the best case scenario. Well, yeah, that's the best case scenario. But then all of a sudden I've, I've set like a line and she's got it drawn in the sands. Like, no, no, no. You said five days. I'm like, well, yeah, but that that's like, you know, you, you, in you, a perfect those, world, <laughs> I should have yeah, said 10 do, days. <laughs> with those distance, um, it's different from I'm going for a ride. Uh, I'm going to be back in five hour and then it takes six. It's like, I'm going to be f- back in five day and it takes six. That's a whole new dimension. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and it's, it's 900 kilometers with 13,000 plus meters. Like it's, yeah. it's a lot of climbing. And if, and if I'm not at the shape, I feel like I would like to be here. My mind says you should be at it. Start the burn starts really early. Right. So I'm going to start writing it. Uh, Probably in 2024. I was uh, I was about to say next year, but we're already we're already year. next year, aren't we? Um, 2024. I'm going to start writing some section of it just to oh, cool. see what what it, what it is and uh, yeah, yeah. what is the. Uh, I know, like uh, Alex. Alex did the 400 this year on on the Grand Depart. You know, Alex mm-hmm. Garcia. And, yeah. But he just took his uh, took the took the file ahead of time and just cut out all the single track sections because for him. It's not his jam, right? So, yeah. And I think that's a big thing people don't think about. Like, it's like, oh, well, it might be too hard or too much. It's like, well, you can always just cut stuff out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's not like, if you're going for an FKT, no. If you're going for a ride or a tour, if you don't like it, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be in your happy spot. Um, yeah. Have you been uh, experimenting with any new gear? I know you have, so... <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like asking a, like a drug addict. Did you try new drugs? Um, yeah, I I did, um, but that was, yeah, actually that was a, that was a different year for me. I was not looking to be the lightest. Um, I uh, was looking to be the lightest in what I was looking for. Should uh, this which should is, we combine this with like talking about our setups? Because I guess that's a, it. Kind of goes together, huh? Uh, or you want to keep them separate? Up, uh, uh, changing my life setup. Mine was actually really different. Um, okay, all right, go for it. Let's uh, let's do it in yeah, the order yeah. I wrote it because uh, yeah, it'll be easier yeah, for yeah. my brain. Your, too. your selection. Yeah, I just wanted to be. Um, uh, so yeah, in twenty twenty three, I decided to be a little bit lighter, uh, but in a different way that I was in the past. Is trying. To, I was not trying to go ultra light. I mm. was trying to go. Uh, light, but with panniers. Um, there's a lot of people that actually went that went back to with panniers uh, on bikepacking bike. Yeah, and uh, with uh, like there's so like there's many company now that offer mini panniers for bikepacking. Ton of them. Ton of them. So I think they they saw something coming. So I'm riding as well with mini panniers now. And, it's gone full um, circle. Yeah, that's funny, huh? Yeah. Um, not as big as they used to be, so that's a good thing. But uh, definitely more technical in a certain way. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to. Uh, so I wanted to to ride my bike uh, to pack to uh, load, put load on my bike in a different way than I was doing in the past, uh, without frame bag, without trying to squeeze everything in a like seed bag and everything. So yeah, I went back to panniers uh, and. Uh, the good thing is like new generation panniers they're made for bikepacking uh, so no rattle and uh, 
I was really surprised. I was actually expecting a, like a little bit of like yeah, the yeah. nose bag, just like jump on the rack, no rattle at all. So um, fantastic experience with uh, panniers. Uh, you should probably do it if you're not. Yeah, if you're ready. not already. And if you're carrying like, you know, I think back to, uh, I think back to when I did my, <clears throat> what I called my, Bike Pack Canada adventure, but whatever it is called, uh, where I cycled from Vancouver to Whitehorse to Winnipeg. And I don't know if you heard the episode with David and Diletta recently um, riding South America, but he basically, he called the saddlebag. He's like, yeah, in uh, in Germany, we call it the ass rocket. And I was like, fuck, that is the <laughs> best name I've ever heard for it. It is. It's an ass rocket. Like, and yep. I loathe, loathe unpacking and packing that thing. Like yeah. I hated it. Like my worst time of the day where I was most frustrated was un well, not unpacking because it was easy. I'd just dump it. Um, but packing it in the morning, like after having a nice breakfast of eat getting eaten alive with mosquitoes and having to pack this thing. I, oh man, it made me so mad. And the same with the handlebar roll. It was just a nightmare to pack a handlebar roll, stuff everything in this dry bag that has no flex. Um, and try to make it so it goes in tight enough that it doesn't in interfere with your shifters and so you don't really yep. get some like tendonitis and it was just nightmare a nightmare um yep. i never knew at that time that like everything was going to come back around to people using like mini panniers <laughs> and uh, i would have definitely gone that route like what was the difference I you know i love them <clears throat> i love them like i have rack in the front and i have rack in the back and i have like mini pannier up like in the front and in the back and i have like bags on the top my rear uh old man mountain alcorn yeah it's uh i think it's uh it's called the juniper yeah i have um, the divide rack um yeah. i'd like to get an alcorn so i could stick it on the front too very nice very <clears throat> nice um but uh yeah i literally shove everything in this bag just roll it no interference with the bike whatsoever so yeah that's a good thing for me going back to uh going back to panniers full circle yeah. And uh, I'm also experimenting. You're probably going to laugh uh, about this one, but I'm going back. Uh, I'm not going back. I'm experimenting with a basket. Oh, yeah. So basket pannier. Yeah. As, I, as long as you put some flowers on it when you're riding, I, I don't feel care. Like, like, I, I feel like I'm 70 year old, years old. Like just saying that's like I'm ex I'm experimenting with basket and uh sorry like are, you, are you age shaming right now no. <laughs> oh come on i have my training wheels and i have my like leather saddle more on that later um but uh no i um i have the uh so they, they went uh they there's a big difference between the the old rattly basket that were in front of our uh um, like cruiser bike when we were kids and the basket today, uh, old yeah. mountain actually did like the, uh, the, the bolt on basket, it bolts directly to the rack, um, the divide and the Halcorn. And I went mountain bike, uh, mountain biking on my, uh, Taiga, uh, EXP in the green belt. And I was expecting a little bit of rattle once again. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I should have like put, uh, rubber in in between and then it's yeah, maybe i should have put like thread locker or yeah 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 yeah. no not at all not at all silence completely silent um more space just you can just like shove everything in there um i still need to have a uh, to get a bag that's like compatible with the walled standard basket 
Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so far, I love it. I love it. It looks cool, too. You're kind of like going far with those. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And That's then, neat. Uh, yep. What about you, man? Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about the Outdoor Vitals quilt. Um, I'm still kind of blown away at how well a quilt worked out for me. Um, to give some context, last year I bought from Bushtaka um, a <clears throat> marmot winter sleeping bag, minus 20. A nice one. It was great. I mean, very nice. I went on an overnight camping with uh, Alex Garcia and froze my ass off. Like, <laughs> it was so cold. Um, I toss and turn a lot at night, so it means I end up sliding off of the air mattress if it's not, if I'm not on a 100% perfect pitch, right? Mm-hmm. And so I kept sliding off, and of course, I would just end up really cold. Um, there was a couple other things I didn't like about the sleeping bag, like the zips that come up, they didn't lock very well, so if I toss and turn, which I do a ton of, they kept coming unzipped. And Mm -hmm. so then cold air would come in and it was essentially useless. Um, I also sleep on my stomach a lot. So that's, it's kind of hard to move around. Like I I do, like I know on, on air mattresses, it's, it's hard to sleep on your stomach. So I don't do it a lot, especially if you need to put your arms up under your head and then they get cold. Right. So, but I like to like roll in the position until I decide it's not good anymore and then kind of continue my roll into my side <laughs> and then back on my back and then the other side. It's kind of a process. Um, I'm not, I'm not a pretty, I'm not a pretty <laughs> sleeper. I probably need a straight jacket. Um, yeah. but actually the sleeping bag becomes a straight jacket cause it keeps twisting. Right. So oh, I, 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 <clears throat> mine, mine, actually I, I had, um, I just bought a sleep a winter sleeping bag from uh, the the loop and right. I was comfortable in it uh when I was sleeping but I didn't think about like oh I'll probably wear layer in that sleeping bag so there was no uh extra room for those so I was uh. squeezed all night I'm going to sell this thing and probably get a quilt as you Re- really yeah yep. <clears throat> Yeah so um yeah, so the quilt, I was like, I had read a bunch of reviews and people are like, um, you know, the good thing is if you move a lot at night, it doesn't follow you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I got to try one of these. So that's when I reached out to Outdoor Vitals and I told them, you know, I'd love to like test out a piece and they were down with it. So that was really cool. Thank you guys if you happen to listen to this. And <clears throat> the interesting thing about this one is it actually has a foot box. So it's all sewn in. Okay. So you have like a lot of padding around your feet because feet get cold. Your whole body gets cold, right? Mm. Um, so my feet, I have never had feet this warm in a sleeping bag. They mm. were great. Um, it was very warm. And and it has some clips you can clip together up the sleeping bag if you want to make it a little bit more mummy-like just so you don't like mm. get the flapping open and air exposure. But I only did like the the next one down by my knees. And then I did the collar up around my head and I pulled the wind baffle around my neck, which was around the down hoodie I had. Holy God. Um, Honestly, had very little problems at night. I think one time I moved in a position where my arm was weird and it was opening Mm -hmm. up the gap under my own arm. And so I felt it and I just put my arm down and that went away. Um, Did did you geek out and weigh it? 793 grams. 
not too bad. So like when you look at 20? when you look at like thousand dollar sleeping bags that they weigh, you know, one point two kilos, the vast majority of minus twenty sleeping bags I looked at that are, you know, in that five hundred dollar or under range weigh somewhere between one point six, one point five and two kilos kind of thing. Some two point five, some more. Like they're heavy. The winter sleeping bags are heavy. But this thing was, yes, eight sub two pounds, um, one pound, 12 ounces. I checked on the website, mm-hmm. uh, 793 grams, wicked light, um, packs down pretty good. I mean, I could fit it in the, the aero pack on my bike and it's down. Yeah. And it's down. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, of course there's always some issues with down if you don't have good ventilation, like I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great for one night, but I know for a fact, if I were to go out, have stayed out two nights, I'd have probably froze my ass off because there was a lot of moisture because of my poor decisions with how I slept, throwing <laughs> myself inside an outdoor research condom, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, but first experience was great. I really look forward to using it again and uh, seeing how it goes and, uh, you know, get a few more experiences in there and then kind of put together a proper review as best I, I can because be- it's the first time I- I've ever done like a full-on Thing like that yeah. i think it's going to be the first time officially i go to your place to actually geek on something Come check you it out. bought yeah yeah because usually it's the other way it's like look the new shiny part chris and everything but like this time i'm I, I can't wait to go to your place to actually look it up because i'm not happy with the slipping bag so far really and this is the one like was this the one that somebody recommended you it's canadian brand one or yeah it, it was in uh uh no uh i don't know actually it was the mec uh, oh, okay. but, uh, a really good one hybrid sleeping bag yeah, yeah. super nice everybody like loves it uh no not for me i don't use sleeping bag in the summer i'm not like i don't know why i would be yeah, comfortable yeah. in the winter yeah no. um i i, I want to get another quilt for summer like i have my mobile sleeping bag which is uh minus uh, no sorry it's rated to about five or seven degrees um, I mean, I've used it sub zero. Of course, I froze my ass off. Um, but I like that sleeping bag because it's very light. It takes not much space. I think it's 550 grams. Um, but man, I was so comfy in the quilt. I'm like, I need to get a quilt. Like, I gotta get a summer quilt too. Like, I have one. I have the uh, the uh, Termres Chorus. Okay. I wouldn't exchange this piece of gear for anything. No. That quilts are the way. Awesome. Well, yeah. So, uh, that's yeah. not something that we're going to go full circle. It's not never yeah, yeah. coming back to sleeping back for those. Yeah. And I actually had a message from a friend on who sure he'll know who it is. And he messaged me and said, Oh man, I just saw her, saw your, cause I had made a mention of it previously. And he says, I've been using an outdoor vitals quilt for, or not quilt, sorry, outdoor vitals gear for years. And he's like, it's awesome. You know, like great, great stuff. Um, yeah. So very interesting. Um, any uh, cool resources or kit you've come across recently you want to share about? Um, yeah, I was expecting to actually talk about a kit, but uh, something it's something else. It's not recently, but like I- I've been going back on it multiple times uh, for the last year and a half. Uh, it's the uh, it's the bike packing section on the Panorama Cycle website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is a it is surprisingly a super good resource for Quebec bikepacking route. Um, bikepacking.com is 
awesome for everything, but it's kind of scarce in like Eastern Canada. Mm-hmm. You, you, I think you get like the Colt on it, and that's it. I think that Not was really it, sure. unless they've updated it. So that's why I mean yeah, that's and, that's part of the reason why I created Bike Pack Adventures, um, yeah. the website too, because there was nothing like, yeah, like the Colt is one route, and. I'm sure it's great. I haven't ridden it, but there are some other amazing, amazing routes through the region that like, why, why, you know, I don't think, I don't think the long driver it is. I don't think the trans Gaspasia is. I don't think the BT 700 is on it. Um, no, no. So I, I want to, uh, I want to do the, uh, the, the Wahoo forest. Oh wow! Uh, it's yeah, yeah. My, yeah, yeah, loop. it's been in my bucket list. Yeah, I I did the uh, Red River. Um, couple. Uh, I did it last year. Years it was ago. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nice. Uh, but uh, you know, I have my pack raft, so I'm always like looking for like something that I can just like go hop and then paddle down. So, I feel like um, I really need a review of pack raft. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do. I wonder who could you, could you send you one? Um, but also, uh, there's a, a one on it and I actually met the guy that uh, created the route is the Trans Tran Charlevoix. Okay. And I tried it um, a couple of years ago, um, but I had to, I did the hardest part and then had to stop because the road, they just um, they they just laid down a fresh layer of sand oh. that was probably three four inches deep. So there was no way I could ride on this. Like right. I was just like pushing super hard. Like, whose idea was this? Oh, I don't know, but like it must be perfect for trucks and quads. But like for biking, it was horrible. It would have taken me a fat bike. So I kind of like I know it's been a couple of years. Rain's gonna um scattered the 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 sand away so i'm pretty sure it's rideable now so i mm-hmm. want to try it again but yeah it's a it's a it's a cool thing you get yeah. ride reports and uh yeah it's on the panorama website on the bikepacking section yeah this year we're around more so like uh we're not doing some crazy crazy travels all summer and uh i have goals of riding two or three times like some decent loops or routes you know like probably again at a fast pace in some senses because if it's you know if it appeases my wife and it allows me to get out there so i can push myself but you know like i do want to to also slow down and bring my dog along i think i'm gonna get a bob trailer um Mm. she's a little heavy for a rack and doesn't like to jump that high up and stuff so maybe a bob trailer will be the do the trick solo um pardon me are you gonna do solo writing again because I, I know you're big on this. I, I do a lot of solo, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to do more group stuff. You know what? Like, it's funny. I, I've talked about this before. Like when I was in Malaysia, I was always with group people. I had huge groups of friends that were cycling. Then I came to Canada and I was like in a new country. I hadn't been back here and, you know, living in a while. And before I had a chance to make a community of friends, COVID happened. And then for three years, all I did was ride by myself and then now it's starting, but it's like, it's hard to get out of that, you know, the habit. And like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, so I have to coordinate with people and I have to be flexible on times when I'm so used to saying, oh, I'm going to go now. Boom. Gone. You know? So, yeah, I definitely want to do more group rides. Um, just ride with friends and yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's definitely up there. <clears throat> what about you? Uh, you know, I'm going to talk about a resource that's not even a resource yet, but it will be soon. I, oh. I recently recorded a, a podcast episode. It's not released yet, but by the time this comes out, it'll be released. Uh, so if you're listening to this, it's already released. And that was a, a second conversation with Ty Doman. And we dived into bikepacking or dove, dove into bikepacking, bikepack. I can't speak English, man. Bike bag making. <laughs> so we did a whole episode on just bag making, what to do, what you need, you know, like what kind of sewing machine can work, what, you know, what kind of needles to buy, thread, material, um, tips and tricks. And so that's going to kind of be my resource because I want to make a bag for my fat bike just because I think fat bikes have a very they have small triangles because the wheels are so big everything's kind of like feels a little more squished they have really wide bottom brackets so you have a lot more space than you would have with a frame bag made for like a normal bike um so you can actually kind of design something a little bit different so yeah i want to make my own bag and um i've been thinking a lot a lot about it and i have a sewing machine here so it's just a matter of uh ordering some stuff and getting it done so I think that'll be a really good resource for people that are just want something to listen to and get a little bit of motivation to, to try something new, you know? And I figured if I could cut out, weld, bondo, and repaint a car, I could probably make a bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can be YouTube certified on mostly everything these days. That's true, too. Yeah, you can also uh, just check out YouTube, right? You're, lo- you're, you're, uh, you're in luck. You have a, you have a sewing machine. Yeah, I'm my, still looking for one. Uh, my parents had, um, well, we talk, Ty and I talk about it, but my, my parents bought a new sewing machine, so they had this old one that was from my grandma. And it's, a, it's an old Singer, you know? Those things are, it's like one of the heaviest ones they make, 35 pounds, that sewing last. machine. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's kicking around. It's in my basement now. I finally brought it in from the garage. It's set up. It's in the basement. It has a space. I just got to get it opened and check everything's working and maybe mm-hmm. oil the pedal and whatnot. Uh, yeah. So, huh. uh, what else I've, Oh, I've made a really recently made a huge change to my setup. Um, I mean, <clears throat> a large part of the, that is the fact that I've changed sponsors on the podcast, mm-hmm. but I feel like it was in the direction I had been aiming for and hoping for. Um, so yeah, Tailfin is now a podcast sponsor. Um, I was about to do a drum roll, but uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, so they're now sponsoring the podcast and they've added me to their research and development division, or they will be adding me to it. I don't think I'm on the website or anything yet. Um, hmm. and so they sent me a bunch of stuff, but I, like we were saying the full circle, they, I have been for a while contemplating like moving away from the ass rocket and uh, figuring out different ways to manipulate my gear and um, Tailfin, man, they they think outside the box in ways that a lot of companies don't. Um, or maybe that you're starting to, you know, other companies now are saying, oh, wow, look like, look what Tailfin's doing. There's got to yeah. be ways that we can kind of do our own thing that also is like, you know, this hybrid model that people are moving back to. Um, so I remember when Tailfin first came out with this really weird rear wa- rear rack and this oh, aero yeah. pack that only were mounted on their rack. I was like, what is this? Who the hell would put a rack 
on a bikepacking bag. Like you've got to be insane. You're crazy. Like, yeah. why would you do that? Saddlebag. That's just going to break when you crash, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that was my mindset. I mean, that was just a few years ago when I, you know, when I, I was like, why, why would somebody do this? They looked so weird. Yeah. And, yeah. but man, to be able to just unroll this rack pack, this, uh, arrow, ba- uh, what do they call it? Arrow, arrow pack. Mm-hmm. To unroll the dry bag feature and just stuff your stuff yeah. in there. It's so cool. Like it's priceless. Um, especially like that winter quilt fit in there. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I had my air mattress in there. And on top of that, I had the booties, like the little down, uh, you know, insulated booties stuffed mm-hmm. in there. And then I had it rolled down as tight as I could. Of course it was as high. It was about as big as it could be. But I was like, man, it fit my winter stuff. Like, you know, I went out for a winter overnighter and I was able to fit it all on this setup. How cool is that? Any, um, any, uh, any wiggle, any, uh... no, nothing like oh. it's interesting because the, the way the arrow pack works, it's got like a, it's just like a hook on one end, but the way it's designed with the rubber and it's a nice fit. So when you install it, there's no movement there. And the same with their, um, like I have the 10 liter mini panniers uh, for the rear oh, rack. Oh, the one with the new, okay, okay, okay. So for the rear rack, I have the 10 liter ones and it's the same thing. Like it's not so different, quote unquote, than like a traditional Ortlieb pannier, like the bottom hook, right? But they've designed it so integrated beautifully with their, their own seat, the, the stays of the rack that it, it fits. There's never going to be wiggle. And their locking mechanism too, like you were saying about the old mountain mountain stuff, how there's no rattle, there's nothing. Their locking mechanism, when you lock that thing, it's as you know, it's it's tight. Like it's not gonna rattle. There's no way it'll fall off. I um, think that's that's really surprising with the new with the new stuff. How 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 silent it is. Yeah. The one thing I like about it though is that um, you know, like, and I didn't think about it. I was like turning my bike around. So I could access the other saddlebag and I was opening it and I was like, oh, wait, I could just flip the lever up and take it off and put it beside me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, uh, I didn't think of yeah. it. It was the first time I was using it. I was like, oh, I'm such a dumbass. Um, instead of like That's true. squatting on the ground, trying to open your, you know, even though it's it's great having these little mini panniers, but. Yeah. And, and of course not to have like straps across them that are holding them to a bottle cage. Cause I have the front ones there with their new, uh, their new mini, what you, I don't even know what they call micro panniers with their yeah, micro panniers with their own little mount. And it's very yeah. cool. Like, um, you know, there's no cage there after when you take it off, it's just this sleek little thing. And, yeah. um, yeah, super pleased so far. Um, don't fit too much in a five liter one, but it's the same as if you had like a, uh, a dry bag stuck to a uh, a cage, right? Like you're gonna put your yeah, like an app You put uh, your stove, you put your can gas canister, a little bit of food, whatever. Like, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm yeah, that's a that's an awesome move. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been looking at their stuff and like they're great. I know um, Dominique. I'm name dropping like crazy tonight, but uh, I know Dominique Menard. Um, uh, is writing with uh, Telfin as well. Mm-hmm. He's writing uh, down to Patagonia and uh, yeah, yeah. He, he loves his stuff. Yeah, so there there was an interesting article I found. I forget how it came up, but uh, 
It's written in German, so right-click, translate to English. Um, and basically, they, the guy did aerodynamic testing of, like, seat packs versus the aero pack versus a regular handlebar roll or and then combinations thereof. And uh, so all these different configurations, and they found that a bike with the tail fin aero pack was as it had like when it comes to resist wind resistance and stuff it was the same wattage as having nothing like hmm. so like there was no penalty and having two the five liter or ten liters i forget in the thing but anyways having two mini panners panniers or one 22 liter one on the one side and nothing on the other it was a very small penalty. So it was really interesting to see how like in our minds, this would be like a big arrow problem and it'd be like, but they say like the vast majority of the bulk is right behind your legs and your legs are already cutting the wind anyways. Right. So there's not a huge, huge impact. Is it more optimized for racing once again, or uh... <clears throat> I don't think so. I think, um, I think like I know Lachlan Morton used it racing the tour divide. Um, but I know a ton of people touring with them too. Right. They'll, they'll use a 22 on the back cause they carry their laptops and uh, like David and Diletta, who I interviewed, uh, they just happen to have them as well uh, on the front. They were getting a set shipped into Peru was the 10 liter micro ones with the, the new mount system. Um, so that's they were doing like a hybrid bike packing, you know. So yeah, I, I don't think it's when it's I, a racing versus anything. I think it's just like depending how much you're. Well, I mean, you can carry quite a bit if you think two twenty-two liter panniers and a a twenty-liter rack pack, uh, aero pack, and then two ten liters on the front. That's a lot of stuff, you know. Interesting. Er, interestingly, <clears throat> for me, I see the aero gain more if I was riding on a headwind more than if I was trying to go really fast because like for me it's not going to happen anyways <laughs> like it's not yeah going faster than like 20k an hour it's not going to change anything if there's like I, I, I get like 6 watt less but I can see it as a like a I see it as a frontal area where you're not as exposed to the wind as you would be with like yeah. full panniers and everything yeah, interesting. Um, I don't have that ability to know that answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It was my first ride. Like that winter overnighter was my first ride with these bags. It went well. Um, they didn't interfere with anything. No straps. There was no wiggle. Nothing fell off. So I can't complain. Um, I definitely haven't used them long enough to have a, a solid opinion. But hey, man, first impressions are pretty good. And I know, same with you and your old man mountain. Old man mountain, you've not used them a ton yet, but so far, yeah, extremely happy. There is some stuff that I use. Um, I, I oh, the racks use, you've been using a long time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the rack I did, the panniers, uh, the ponderosa, and uh, the juniper. Um, I used a, a couple of times now. I okay. would have liked to have them in Japan, but they just arrived after. I'm, I'm, I'm testing something else from Ullman Mountain, but like more on that later. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's coming. Uh, 
more detail later like more on that later today or another time more on that later uh next year or probably in 2024 later but uh yeah they're uh they've been like super uh um super nice and like they they they're a small company so um they love the input so uh, and they are doing cool product so. It's very interesting because, you know, like the, obviously the, the amount of people in the bike industry is by no means small. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of advantages for people like you who work in the bike industry. But uh, you've like, kind of established a bit of a name for yourself because you've gone and bought such a ridiculous amount of bags and <laughs> comment and write <laughs> and re- like talk about the goods, the bads, yeah. the uglies that, you know, know, now you have companies like... Old Mountain Mountain, Old Man Mountain, who are saying, "Hey, we're going to release some stuff." Carl, would you like us to send you a set so we can hear your like, if you bitch about yeah. it or not? <laughs> I mean, uh, they, I I saw it in a two different, uh, like two different way. Uh, at first, at first, I was like, I change my stuff so often on my bike that nobody is going to see anything that is out of place or different so nobody's gonna ask questions mm. so that was my first day i was like nobody's gonna ask questions they're not gonna know they're not, nobody's gonna know they're, they're <laughs> not even gonna know notice because i change my stuff all yeah, the time yeah. um but the 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 second one is and i said that multiple times to everyone is i i i don't want to be the one that say oh i think it's good but i have no idea so same thing with tailfin uh i think it's great i can wait to go to your place and see the stuff um like to to have the stuff have the bags in my hand and feel for them because i never saw them um i want to be able to tell people it is great because i used it or it actually sucks because i used it and this is a reason why and this is real 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 life review so we should do like a, we should do like a little adventure where we just trade the bags. We uh, we throw the tailfin stuff on your bike. You pack your yeah. own stuff, and I'll pack mine on you yours, could, and just to just have fun and like try things out. You know, you could you could feel the difference. But yeah. I'm um, so I have a I have a mountain of bag right now, um, and I think it's great because I use this privilege. I'm uh, super lucky to be in the bike industry and be having the uh, the ability to test everything. But um, yeah, next bike packing summit, I might uh, offload a little bit of that. So mm, yeah, yeah, we're you gonna have a, that. I guess we could tell that uh, yeah. the this upcoming next bike packing summit, which I'm really hoping to get the tickets on sale for soon. I'm just uh, just trying to sort out a few last things. I'm on a confirm camping, uh, confirm if it's gonna be like an additional cost or not, because I need to know that and how it's working, and uh, and try to plan and finalize if uh if there's gonna be a, a pre-camp before the summit um those kind of things so it's just a few little things i've got to wiggle around and i've got to find a time to contact alex at uh centre Vorlage and uh mm-hmm. go through those last little details yep. so other than awesome. that um yeah we already have our first sponsor of the summit i'm not gonna say who yet but uh i'm sure the more will come in and uh mm-hmm. super exciting like it's always like the new year hits last year. I remember when January hit, I was like, Oh, crunch time. And then I spent months. Like I felt like every day I was just in front of the computer for a few hours dialing in things. And, but you know, it was a really successful event. I feel like, uh, 
not to just pat my own back, but it, like I worked my ass off for it. And oh, yeah. this year I have a few friends that are going to pitch in with their help and contacts and whatnot, like Carl here and yep. just try to save my soul a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're not like looking like a zombie like last year. You were like fully on, but like I could see, uh, I could see your face at the end. You were by, just like, by the end of the second day, oh, I, was, okay. I was pretty done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so things things on my bike um, that I want to uh, that I want to change. I'm gonna go backward on this one. Um, panorama. Um, there's the boreal that's gonna come out. Yes, eventually. Yes. I'm crossing my finger, but like uh, it's a pinion equipped bike. Um, Samuel Marcon actually used it uh, for the bike portion. Of, so uh, did Marie Pierre Sard. Yeah. So and it, and it was the same bike. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. It's the same bike. This bike is uh, is a tank. Yeah, made to fit three uh, inch tires. So I know Samuel was riding three inches, I think, when he went north. Yep. And then I, oh no, he was actually using smaller because he was all on paved roads or gravel no, roads. No, no, no. Actually, it was the other way. Marie Pierre, I think she she used threes. Yeah, she for, used the biggest the, ones for Baja. Yeah, 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 yeah for exactly. Baja, California. Yeah. So um, yeah, no. So this bike, I've. Like I remember when I went to Eurobike in 2015 while I was touring Europe and I saw Pinion, like one of the first Pinion gearbox on the bike. And I was like, oh yeah, that I want. But no, not a lot of company offers it because yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, it comes with a price tag. So when I saw the Boreal coming uh, from Panorama, I was like, okay, as soon as this thing is, it's the market, I'm going to get one because... I, I know when I, uh, if I, if I remember correctly and Simon will be listening, so I'm sure he'll correct me, but mm-hmm. I remember when I first saw it at his shop, um, he told me that it's going to be an available thing, but it'll still be a custom order because they're not going to produce them and hold a whole bunch of pinion oh. drivetrains in stock because they're really expensive, right? So, the cash um, yeah, so it's going to be one of those things like if you want it, you can order it and you'll have it on a certain timeline, I think. He'll yep, correct me if I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong on the next unbacking bike packing, I will correct that. So Simon, let me know. <laughs> um, but it's exciting. Yeah. Um, I think pinions are very, very cool. Like I know, um, is it David Tuttle just had a bike made with pinion? Yes, yes. he did. Yeah, and he did. I got bike envy. I don't have that. I haven't seen, did you my... see pictures of it? I haven't paid attention. I saw a picture of it. I saw a picture of it. Fully titanium. Um, what's the company name? Talk. I think the, the the bike company is True North, something like that. Oh, it's True North. Yeah, yeah, they're out of Southern yeah. Ontario somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and he got like he got it like fully custom with the the same coupler I got on my bike. Um, he got the uh, the Z coupler from Paragon Machine Machine Work, so he can like take it apart as well. Ah. And, uh, yeah, he got like the sweetest bike ever. Yeah. No, Hold I think he, he's he's um. He's aiming for the Tour Divide. Oh, I see it. It's pretty. It is pretty. Yeah, yeah. He's aiming for the Tour Divide, so that's going to be the right tool for uh, the ride. Such an amazing coupler. Like, I'm zoomed in on his picture, ah. and I can't see it other than a little line on the frame, you know? If you go if you go on my Instagram, it's the same thing. Like, you yeah, can see a build of, like, uh, when it, how it was built. But uh, like, as you look at the bike, you cannot see it, and it's crazy that this is this coupler holds my bike. It is a altogether. such such a beautiful midlife crisis bike, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, David, David got, got it right with the pinion. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be very cool small. when it comes out. Simon, when you listen to this, uh, you know that you have to put my name on the list. <laughs> um, after that, uh, for um, I think I've been trying uh, thinking about doing in 2024 is I might go back to electronic shifting. Oh, I um, actually wanted to talk about it. Like, I didn't put it on the list, but yeah, let's talk about it. Um, is there something you can talk about why? Like, is Shimano coming out with something GRX electronic? Um, I'm wondering because I know you're a Shimano guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you probably know where I'm going. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I was like, you know what? I, I, I put uh SRAM on my, my Thai bike when I built it a year, two years ago. Um, but now my Panorama stuff is using Shimano and I do really like the Shimano rear trigger shifter because you can shift yep. it either forward or backwards. So just depending how you're holding your handlebar, you just flick it back or flick it forward. You know, both yep. ways do the same thing. That was one and of the I love, love that. I, I really dislike the GRX, uh, sorry, not GRX, the uh, Eagle, well, it doesn't matter, Eagle SRAM one because you can yep. only shift it going forward. Yep. Um, so when it comes to shifters, I'm way, way pro Shimano there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the... Um it's the fact that I love drop bar on uh, my touring slash bike packing right. bike. So I wanted to do a mullet for a long time, and I'm, I'm, uh, I am l literally biting my lips right now. But yes, for sure, it's coming. Um, something is coming from Shimano. Okay. Quote quote. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it. it when I when I heard about it, because I know something is coming, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, that might be the reason why I can go back to electronic." Okay, either it's like a new X XDR or something that is coming, but like I'll let Bike Rumor or Ping Bike do their job and actually <laughs> do, do something with that. But uh, yeah, and I like you know with. Um, Shimano, everybody's expecting something. Uh, the new um, 12-speed generation uh, DI2, the battery is only connected to the rear derailleur and front and and the front derailleur when you have one. Uh, if you have only a rear derailleur, that means your battery is only connected to your rear derailleur. So that means you have one wire, one derailleur, mm. one battery. And the shifters are wireless, no, like on the like on the. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing, right? That's a perfect okay. thing. Right. <laughs> so you get you get that huge battery compared to SRAM, and then uh, it's inside your frame, and you get the uh, you get uh, a, like a, a life, a battery life that's crazy. So I mean, yeah, if it's coming, it's coming, but uh. I'm not gonna, yeah, not gonna yeah. say anything else. So but, the uh, um, what do you think about the SRAM, the AXS one? Like, I sorry, not AXS. AXS is the electronic, right? What is the new one that just came out? With Rival that is electronic. That's super affordable. Uh, or was it? Was what yeah, was yeah, yeah. I think it's the Rival. Um, like you said at the beginning, I'm not super big on SRAM, but uh, they did really good thing in the last few years. Um, I uh, I agree that like the the Rival is a great. Uh, mullet group set if you want to go wireless yeah um 
it is great. It is well done. Um, I am a Shimano fanboy, so I will. I would always go for um, for Shimano. But like, interestingly enough, yeah. I was thinking about like pro- probably putting uh, SRAM AXS on uh, my fat bike because I was like, oh, I can cut so much. Also, I can close my bar mitts my shifter there's only one cable going out yeah yeah yeah. i'm not like it's uh, it's one less draft but also i'm gonna wait i'm gonna see what the future holds i mean ride my fat bike has it yeah maybe going back to uh, electronic because i don't know if you remember but the last time i was with electronic shifting was on uh bt 700 with you and did you have my yes 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 that's right we had so many problems on that like i forgot that that was an issue for you (laughs) My so, front derailleur would stop working and my real derailleur sometimes would just like stop shifting or shift yeah, yeah. or anything. So I was like, never again. And but, then you had your uh, Wahoo problems and I had my Garmin problems and I had my oh, light man. problems and I had like my dynamo problems and like. <laughs> you were like so rookie. <laughs> and somehow we just kept plugging around along, keeping a decent little space between us so we could yeah. officially say we're not drafting each other. And that was, just, that was amazing. Uh, what a f- shit show yeah Man, for, the, for the first for the first 389 kilometer i had the best time of my life <laughs> until we <laughs> went to sleep is that basically it until you went to sleep <laughs> right 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 yeah <laughs> um all right well shit yeah yeah and what else? um something else uh changing my light setup i'm still staying with supernova because i've yeah. been with them since 2015 but i'm now going to be using the m99 uh dynamo light okay and wait to can't wait to test that. It's still in the box. Same situation as you do. Like too much thing to do. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Not enough time. Um, I'm uh, taking my bike apart, my AWOL, my Flansperium AWOL, um, uh, to get it painted once more time. Ta- one more time. <laughs> Seriously. And, uh, yeah, yeah. There's an issue with the paint. So, oh, okay. Like um, matte powder coating actually uh, told me that he could redo it for me uh, free it was just like a new paint it was really special and then uh, uh, we didn't think that it would need a clear coat but yeah it does so okay, uh, gotcha. i'm gonna take I'm, I'm gonna take it apart put the uh, the new supernova light on and uh having high beam and low beam i'm gonna test that uh, ah nice yeah i uh i haven't decided what i'm gonna do i think uh when it comes to mountain bike packing i'm gonna run a battery light me too um I have the K light, the one I got from Ari Hugerbrugge when he was selling off some stuff he wasn't using. But the problem is, is I think mine is the road one. And now they have the bike packing specific one, which runs at really low wattage. Mine don't do that. And so yep. when I'm riding, uh, if I hit a hill, everything goes very light, like not bright, very dull very dim lots of shadows and it's really hard to pick out the big rocks and obstacles you gotta avoid so mm-hmm. um i mean I'll, i know i could just have a helmet lighter or something i throw on when i'm climbing and stuff but i feel like i would still keep the dynamo wheel i would yep. still keep it to a charge device charging a device but i would use a battery powered light I'm, I'm using, for the gravel uh, bike i'm okay i'll keep the dynamo light because you know what you're going fast enough for the most part most of the time um I'm using a like a you know like those headband light like headlight mm-hmm. um, that you put around your head. I just removed the strap and put a velcro on my helmet. I think many like racer does that as well. I just yeah. put like a piece of velcro and I just like put a, put a velcro on the light and then just put a slap mm. it on my helmet. 
but uh, yeah, for mountain bike, I'm with you on that. I used Glowworm uh, Light. Yeah. And I'm not going to go back to Dynamo because, like, when you're climbing, you actually want to see the rock, like you said. And no way I'm going back to yeah, Dynamo yeah. for that. And I'm, uh, for those out there, I'm using the Montier uh, 6500S version 2. I think it's, yeah. Magic Shine. That's it. Magic Shine Montier. Magic Shine. Yeah. Using <clears throat> Glowworm. I haven't used um, it much yet, though. You know, I have. Yeah. I've, I've not done a whole bunch with it, so it's also one of those things. Like, I used it once for a couple of rides, and now it's sitting in the box. Actually, hey, this is something you might know, Carl. Um, so, for example, my Redshift Loop handlebar, right? Handlebars are what thirty-one point six or something, or what are handlebars these days? Road bike handlebars. Um, sorry, thirty-one point eight. Thirty-one point eight, but the extension on the loop is like. 28 point something or whatever oh yeah old sand like uh yeah it's like a so and uh the same thing with my bar yak stuff it's a small standard so none of my lights can go on these things because they're all made to go on bigger handlebars they all bottom oh yeah is there an what do you buy is there i mean other than doing electrical tape wrapping which is what i tend to do it's not an ideal solution because it's just not Uh, there's like there's adapter that uh, people sell for those or for like it's like um, it's the same issue with Glowworm. Glowworm actually fixed that uh, uh, by uh, including a, a GoPro adapter on the uh-huh. light, so you can like use a different uh, a, a different mount. Uh, what I do, well, that's is, I, I uh, do have like so Magic Shine uses GoPro, yeah, but so there, there is clamp. They have so there are clamps you can buy that are like twenty eight point whatever. Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or okay, so. or uh, what I did is I honed the 3D printer. So I literally just did a uh, custom bracket with GoPro mount, and I just uh, I used it on the first time we did the BT700, actually. Okay. Do you find your yeah. 3D print plastic is strong enough? Oh, yeah, it's BETG. Oh, it's the, the good stuff. Yeah, it's a good stuff. It's not nylon, but BETG is good enough to... Uh, with, like we did the BT with it and I did multiple other rides. Okay. So, yeah. All right. We might have to talk. You might have to make me something. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's dive into a couple opinions or things, trending topics. Um, what are you, I, I have, I, I have some deep, deep insight having lived in Malaysia for seven years about the whole Malaysia Shimano slave labor thing. What uh, are your thoughts, Shimano man? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was dreading that question. I talked about this at work actually. I was like, I saw the question. And I was like, oh my god, okay. Um, I think it's um, so so obvious. Obviously, this is what it is. This is like you cannot read that as Shimano's using slave labor. Um, right. That would be wrong. Um, th- or let's no, let's clarify that Shimano is not uh, knowingly is knowingly yeah. uh, using slave labor. So it's not Shimano Malaysia that is using uh, slave labor. It's actually the company CNC, um, I think it's called or something. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the company CNC that Shimano use, um, like Tram, like would use another company to do mm-hmm. some stuff, and then. So it's a, it's a um, third third know, third party manufacturers. Third party. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a little bit like Apple and Foxconn. Um, but that being said, there is a responsibility um, to the manufacturer yeah. to actually 
know if if their stuff is ethical. Um, yeah. They have to they have to be responsible or like where it's coming from. I don't know what I think. You know, I, I heard I heard something really interesting today. Um, it was actually a hockey analyst, but it was kind of pertinent. He said, you know, we are it's 2024. And so you can be guaranteed somebody is going to be offended. Right. And I'm not saying yeah. that we shouldn't be offended about this. I lived in Malaysia seven years. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it slave labor, but this happens everywhere in Malaysia. It's not just this one company. It's not just industry. Is it? Is it? Is it because they got caught? No. Uh, it's probably somehow where it got. It's just what Malaysia does. Like I mean, it's it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. So please don't get offended at me. Um, but like, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I lived in Malacca in the South of Malaysia, the security guards at our building, uh, security guards in almost every building were from Nepal or Bangladesh. Um, sometimes Sri Lanka, but mostly it seemed to be Nepal and Bangladesh, the vast majority, uh, for them, <clears throat> the guy who is a security guard, uh, we're still friends on Facebook. So, um, I'm comfortable talking about this and I have some I feel like I have decent insight. He was a teacher in Nepal. He made $50 a month in Nepal, US. Yeah. He came to Malaysia, made $300 a month. Now he had a wife in Nepal. He didn't see for two or three years and a kid um, that was growing up without him. So it's a huge sacrifice. But part of the problem is they would work 12-hour shifts, seven days a week, 365 di days a year. They had no holidays, no days off. They didn't even get one day off a week. They don't get national holidays off, even though everybody else in Malaysia got like 20-something national holidays because they had a ton of them there. He didn't get, they didn't get them off. For him to finally pull the plug, and they, oh, and their passports were held. So this is why they say slave labor. The company that hires them, that the, the intermediary company that brings them in as employees. Um, so it's just not CNC in this case either. They have hired a company that does their recruiting for them. That company would be keeping their passports so they can't just flee. But they also work such long shifts and stuff that, and so often that they don't have a chance to live a life. But also, if they want to leave the country, it's really hard. Like they got to get their passport back. So this friend of mine, I just call him a friend. Uh, he was amazing with my son and stuff. And like every day, like you know, he's bringing him treats and things. Like um, we we really spent a lot of time talking. I would bring them food at night. You know, bring them down leftovers cooked. If we ordered pizza, I'd bring them pizza. And uh, just because I knew they just didn't have like most of their money was going home to their families, right? <clears throat> and uh, he arranged with his friend from Nepal who was working at the same job that they became friends that he his friend was going to do a 24-hour shift so he could get one day off said he had to go to Kuala Lumpur for something went to the embassy said his passport was being held but he wants to leave the country they issued him a new passport um i think they were able to make this all happen in the same day went to another office, applied to have a new entry exit stamp put in his passport and spend the money on it. All so he could come back, continue to work some shifts, 
while secretly having a passport until the time when he was ready to just peace out, go to the airport and fly back to Nepal. <laughs> like. Because they cannot be un- unemployed. They can't be there unemployed. They, they don't have any rights. Um, I mean, on, on some notes, you got to bear in mind also like that he knew willingly that like these two and a half, three years or whatever he spent there, he was going to make so much money that when he did go back to Nepal, he was going to be able to open a shop, have a business, have money to start up capital and provide for his family in a way that he could never have done living in Nepal. So yes, awful the way the companies are treating people. Um, that they don't have leave and holidays and stuff. But he also knew that it was a game changer for his life. But once again, like it doesn't excuse Shimano, no. but that's the way shit runs in Malaysia. It's, yeah, that's the thing. <clears throat> and I'm, you know, and, it, and it's often the Nepalese, um, not Indians as much, Nepalese and Bangladeshis that I mostly met. Um, construction projects, same things. These guys would be yeah. living in sea containers, houses on the property in 35 degree heat in the daytime when in that container it's got to be 45 50 degrees that was something kind of like what you heard about happening with uh with the qatar with the world cup i was yeah i was i was about to say that same same thing not much different um it's unfortunately it's like you know it was a big problem in certain manufacturing country uh because like they would set up um model factory where they would like bring the customer and say like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is how we do the, the manufacturing and everything. And then the real manufacturer, manufacturer was not there at all. It was just like a model. Interesting, one. yeah. Yeah, I saw. So I saw in Malaysia, that. it was like all kept out of the private eye. You know, it was all kind of hidden. You didn't really see it. Like you wouldn't know these security guards, their situation if you didn't take the time to get to know them and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And it was no different. When I left Malacca and I moved to Kuala Lumpur and I lived at a different condo, same thing. If you took the time to talk to those guys, exact same situation. Wow. Heartbreaking. Um, but at the same time, they were still thankful, even though it really sucked, you know, like yeah. they, they were sacrificing, but it'd be like, you know, people are like, why don't you go do this job? Go teach in this, in this country. And I'm, you know, nothing wrong with the middle East. People tell me all the time, you can make so much money. I'm like, yeah, but I'm 43 and I don't want to wake up and be 46 and say, okay, I made a bunch of money, but I didn't enjoy my last three years. Cause I want to be biking and I, I can't imagine biking in the desert heat every day. You know, like I want to go. Yeah. It's, it's something you get, like, as you get older is your values are actually more important than like the money or anything. It's yeah, like yeah. what you value. And then like, you're going to make so much money. Yeah. But I won't be able to bike. And that's different than I think when I was younger, it was like, you would do so much money and I would be like, yeah, amazing. I'm going. But yeah, uh, yeah. The, val- the values are different. When, when I look at all these people bike touring that are like, you know, in their 20s or whatever, and they just drop it all and start riding. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why didn't I do that when I was that age? Because I went to other countries and I worked so I could explore and travel with money. But I'm like, now knowing what I know, I'm like, I didn't need that much money, you know, like I could have done, I could have seen so much and explored, but at the time I really wasn't riding much anyways. It it came later, but you know, so I'm like bad respect for those people because I, I do, I am a little bit jealous of like how they made their life choice at this time and how, when I was there at my age, when I was their age, I wasn't the same option and 
people just didn't do it. You know, it wasn't as grown and developed as it is now, you know? So I think it's pretty wild, but I'm happy. I'm happy with the way things have turned out. You know, I'm happy with my experiences. I have no regrets. Um, but uh, it, it is interesting, you know. Any big bucket list uh, goals, wild ideas, things you're... Uh... Yeah. Um, which one first? Um, you go for it. Small... I don't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> no goals. A small one. A small one's going to be completing, finally, finally completing the Log Driver Vault. Um, whatever it takes. Uh, but I'm not going to kill myself on the bike this time. Um, uh, we, uh, Emily and I, we looking at the, uh, at the uh, log driver and then we refuse to call it a race because usually we call it like, oh, it's bikepacking race. It's bikepacking race. We, oh, okay. Yeah, we decided to call it the log driver vault. Um, we're going to go for um, the FGT, uh, which is like the funniest known time. Um, we're, we're not Currently held by Jonathan Roy, I think. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Roy. I'm, I'm going for, uh, for, for that thing. Maybe he's gonna uh, hold it because uh, it's gonna be for the half, and I'm, I'm going for the full. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I, I, we were talking the other night at, uh, at dinner, and I want to use that 2024 log driver to turn the. Uh, the fear, the fear of being chased into an opportunity to meet new people. That's oh, okay. Verbatim what what I said, and uh, I said, yeah, yeah. This is this is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I need. I want to be able to turn around and look at someone coming, and it's like, who's that? Who's that new? Oh, I can't wait till they pass me so I can say hi and have a exactly, chance to talk to them. Exactly. Not not being like, oh no, I'm being passed. So. And we're gonna we're gonna book an advanced camping spot. Okay. Uh, we probably we're probably gonna stop one night in a hotel to clean ourselves because we're gonna do it like in seven eight day. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're gonna take our time. Yeah. Um, seven eight day, hundred k a day, hundred in a bit. Or yeah, you know what? We were we were thinking like one fifty, one like two hundred if we really feel like it. But like for easy parts, like the the first couple of like the first couple of hundred k's, they're not too hard mm -hmm. until you get to Oracle Road. So we are we are just gonna aim for having fun and finish it. And once I actually finish it, I'll be able to um, do uh, retroactively look at it and being uh, and be able to actually say, okay, it is that, and now I'm able to race it because right. I know exactly what's coming. That was the, the fear of the unknown. What was uh, what was my issue before? So I think if I do it, do it right, finish it, I'll be able to actually know what's coming and then write it uh, faster in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, the only, the the second thing is the um, we are uh, Emily and I as well. We uh, are gonna write something that we could call the elemental loop. Oh, I like uh, this idea. I saw that when I was, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds cool. So we're going to start at uh, Carlton Place's uh, water tower for water. And then we're going to go to Nature Museum for Hurt. Um, and this this was the only tower we found that was uh, related to Hurt in any way. So if someone has a better um, idea, they can write it in the, con in the comment or they can like write... Uh, Write to me on Instagram. I'm fully open mm -hmm. because, like, um, then Ryan Tower. Uh, 
I think it's called CBC um, for air. Okay. Air transmission. And then the fire tower at the end of the one um, in Gatineau Park for a fire. And then finally, uh, Clock Tower Brew Pub. I was really scared because one of them closed down, but like there's another one that is open. Um, it's for, the one on Bank Street closed? or Yeah, I think the, the, the one close <clears throat> to uh, downtown. By the highway, closed. right? Yeah, okay. but uh, the the only the the other one is still open. So clock uh-huh. tower for time actually uh, for a pint at the end and a uh, pint. I don't know yet. I don't know yet, but I think I'm gonna put a little bit of ba- uh, pack raff in it. But I'm not sure yet because oh, that's I, cool. M, M don't have a fab by uh, uh, a pack raff yet. But uh, if she does get one in time uh, from fire tower, we're gonna go down the the escarpment and then cross the river. And then ride to the clock tower brew pubs and uh yeah we'll see oh, if it's cool. possible well if it doesn't include a packraft uh or no company has got me to write a review for one yet uh, i might join you guys yeah 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 yeah. yeah that, that's, that would be uh, cool like it's a day more thing, right? i feel like it's a day trip that oh it's it's a dating it yeah. has to be a dating so, cool yeah. that sounds fun um, yeah. I guess I have, I do have a, a, a bucket list goal for this year for 2024. Although like I do, if I'm doing one of these every month, uh, I will run out of ideas. Um, but <laughs> I do want to ride the full 1200 kilometers Canadian shield. Oh. So, but I also really want to do the route with my dog, but I can't because Tremblant national park, you cannot bring dogs. So if I do bring my dog for this adventure, it would definitely take a long time, but uh, I'd have to do the 900 kilometer loop. So I'm looking at that, kind of weighing the options of do the 900 with my dog, which is going to be fun, uh, or do the 1200 solo. So, but yeah. I think with a dog would be interesting. Yeah, it could be a, it could be a neat little experience, exp- uh, you know, adventure where it also takes, it relieves a stressor from my wife. So it just leaves yeah. her to deal with the baby. Her brother will be living with us anyway, so he could drop him off at day, her, her, drop her off at daycare and pick her up for my wife, and that yeah, could be an was, option. Yeah, it was a guy in the U.S. with uh, with uh, um, riding. He was riding uh, the Bayou California when no whammy, no crashy. Brian Van Duzer. Brian Van Duzer. Yeah, yeah, that's John uh, and Mira. He's Canadian. He's from uh, he's from Alberta somewhere. Um, he was on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Go listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on that's it. That's a that's a that's a shameless plug there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he was riding with his dog, and he, uh, like that's what he was saying. It was like it's so nice because you kind of have like a rhythm. You end up talking to your dog, and you it's it's different because it's not just yeah. you. You get like a, a travel buddy, but a different from being yeah with a human and there are some things that like to take into consideration with that like uh one of the big ones i was thinking of is like you get a tent i think big agnes tents would be great because you can buy the snap-in flooring so you can have the the floor cover to protect the nylon of the floor because it's so fragile right dogs have claws they eat that shit up uh but if you get like the big agnes one i think you can buy them and they it has like it's made for an inner end you can get the obviously the footer uh footing underneath Oh. But you can snap it in, and then all of a sudden you have this protective layer. I don't know. Oh. But maybe you can make your own anyways. You could just make some. Yeah, you can just put, like, some Tyvek inside. Tyvek and uh, snaps and patches or something, or Velcro or whatever. Yeah, yeah Velcro would work. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's, a good, uh, that's a good idea when you want to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, July, probably. Um, not in the heat stroke 
part of the year, but that, that it's got to be July or August because that's my time off. You know, like that's that's when I'm off. It's just the that, problem. That's, that's crazy. In the last few years, how like eat was a big issue for me. So I'm just hoping that 2024 is like that year where it was not too hot. Kind of like the, when the winter is not too good, and hopefully the summer's not too bad. Yeah, the winter is horrible. Um, I don't know. I'm not <clears> sure about when to go yet. Yeah, I'll see. Uh, upcoming plan though. I'm, I, I am planning, like I said, I want to get back on the bike more regularly, even if it's on the trainer, especially if there's a hockey game on, uh, it's not an ex it's the perfect excuse to just pedal for a few hours, you know, or even an hour, you know? Uh, but I also, I want to start using something like dynamic cyclist to, to work on my mobility. As you mentioned, like as we're getting older, mobility becomes more and more important. Um, dynamic cyclists. I know Megan Hackenden, she uses it all the time when she was here. Every day she was doing stretching exercises. Um, you know, it's relatively inexpensive for a year of membership. It's 60, 70 bucks, something like that. And uh, they have a ton of stuff. So yeah, it's something I'm looking at um, implementing. Or, or period. <laughs> <laughs> Upcoming plan for me, uh, it's... Um... I'm going to move from backside to uh, to Ontario. Um, still same still same job and everything, but like the commute's going to be longer. Yeah. So um and I'm exploring. I love uh, cargo e-bikes. So I'm probably going to get one, but also I want to use that opportunity to actually just acoustic cycling even under, even mm -hmm. though I hate that expression, but like cycling um cycling to work commute which which, which uh which expression do you hate? Acoustic bike. I, I'm not a fan of this like acoustic to versus electric bike. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just a bike and an electric bike, but anyway. Yeah, I forget um, who I heard that term not too long ago either, and somebody had said like acoustic bike, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because like, you got your electric bikes and you have your acoustics, but can uh, it be a classical? Just, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. In my in my in my head, I just see like a like somewhat of like a and Chong and like an Ippy like having like oh I love the acoustic bike dude nothing nothing like, sounds better than acoustic bike no that uh, sounds yeah, like Don Trump all, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah 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 billions and billions they're but, amazing uh, everybody <laughs> but uh yeah no I um it's gonna give me the opportunity I think it's gonna be 37k in and 37k okay out. So there's going to be a lot of so you want to do it with a like a non-electric right is that the goal yeah so okay some, cool yeah so i'm gonna get my training there so mm -hmm. an opportunity for me to actually yeah when you think training. about it like if you just did that 37k each way that is like 700 kilometers a week you know yeah yeah like just it's riding like to work and home training yeah I just, this is yeah. going to be a, a, a fitness changer for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking at the same thing with commuting to work and it kind of fell through this fall, but mainly because like, yeah, I got sick a lot and I hurt my foot and there was always something that just made it impossible. I'm hoping to change that this year, but uh, this week has been impossible because I'm the one dropping Jasmine at daycare. Uh, my plan is I drop her at daycare and I park at Plateau and then it's a for if I stay on the trail, it's like 14 and a half kilometers. So it's perfect. It's not yeah. long. It's just a good wake up in the morning and it's a good cool down in the evening, you know, just to de-stress from work and um, all the drama that happens as a teacher. Like if you can, if you guys had any idea, you guys would all say teacher's salary should double. 
and <laughs> o- hopefully, uh, hopefully, also next year uh, we're gonna bring back the coffee outside. Yeah, it, it was. It was really. It's. It was impossible. Like I love the concept. Um, it's just I travel in the summer. I'm all, not around. You know, like we're gone a lot. Um, so it wasn't something I could continue and i, I wish right. i could but i would love to be involved in it and i would love to attend them but i don't think i can organize it you know because i feel I, like i think i think it should be it, i think it should be something that exists like you know like a, a it's just club, self not self whatever the word is uh self manifest self-managed self-manifested yeah yeah so <clears> somebody <throat> they just go because it's not like a, a person but a place but yeah mm-hmm. i would I would like it to be more like that because it gives you more flexibility to actually somewhere easily accessible, like fire tower, (laughs) (laughs) like fire tower. It's like, why am I always alone? It's like, this thing is not working at all. Two hour ride uh, to get there. Yep. All right. Well, um, let's, let's end the episode. Um, you definitely don't have to hang up. We'll keep chatting and see how things are going. And, um, yeah, we'll call it a day. Unless there was anything else you had to add, I didn't think of. Well, you still don't have to hang up, but I'm going to stop the recording. So uh, bye-bye and keep on pedaling. And uh, thanks for doing this. All right, bye. Talk to you soon. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have any comments or questions, you can email me at chris at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. Head over to bikepackadventures.ca slash partners for some amazing deals. If you're enjoying the show and would like to become a supporting member, head over to www.patreon.com slash bikepackadventures to sign up. Patreons get to enjoy early access and ad-free podcast episodes. You can also support the show by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, helping me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and continue to produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on peddling.